0: i got
1: to get, get better applause, folks. It's 2 p.m. Pacific.
2: I'm Fred
1: McMurray, which means this is got to get the right one.
2: Pillars, pillars, you go. Pillars of franchising. Pillars, pillars, pillars of franchising.
1: I'm Fred McMurray. As I said, I'm with my co-host, Ray Piller, and then we've got a very special guest today. Ray, who's our guest today? And then we'll jump into all the good weather stuff.
2: Oh, okay. <clears throat> well, uh, first of all, our guest has been on before, and we're glad to have him back. It's Larry Broughton. Larry is a, a hotelier, award-winning CEO and entrepreneur, a Special Forces veteran, and best-selling author.
3: So welcome back to the show, Larry. Thank you very much, guys. It's going to be fun to get back on here. By the way, I like your upgraded bumper user. <laughs> <laughs> um, very good. Guys, <laughs> just keep getting better. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, that was that was uh, thanks to Markell's Audio Lab. Um, awesome. We actually um, have since uh, had another group. Um, the monotones have agreed to do a intro for us also. So we're actually getting oh, people competing to be. <laughs> <laughs> intro to do
2: intros on our show. That's great. People
3: are like, I can do better than that. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. And it's really good. So yeah.
1: Now for the obligatory, where are we? We'll ask Larry where he is first and what's the weather okay. like.
3: All right. Well, listen, I'm in Anaheim, California. I'm looking out my window right now. Beautiful cloud formations. We are just going through the last couple of days. We've had some, uh, some storms here, so I can't complain. I'm, I'm guessing it's in the low 70s, high 60s here. So uh, It's beautiful out there right now. I'm looking at palm trees, <laughs> <laughs> so I can't complain. <laughs>
1: Ah, uh, yeah, we we know where I am. So go, go ahead, Ray. Where are you today?
2: Well, I, I can't complain because it's simply not snowing, but it's <laughs> raining and it's windy. I mean, if it was, uh, you know, 20 degrees cooler, it would be snow. And I'm just thankful for that because right now we're 48 degrees outside and, and overcast and rainy and... <laughs> Well, I'm sitting in Aurora, Illinois, all the way, you know.
1: That's the applause. So I'm I'm in my happy show beach and um, the Pacific's blue just like that. It, and and it's in the low 70s and I can wear a hoodie and I'm just a happy yeah. man,
3: folks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Life does not suck for you.
1: Life does not suck for me. Um, yeah, life doesn't suck for me. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us what you've been up to lately in your yeah. international travel and intrigue and, and from oh. saving the U.S. or protecting the U.S. to becoming the top hotel guy in, in the U.S.
3: <laughs> oh, I don't know what the top hotel guy. I don't know. You know, we've got a lot going on. Um Let's see here. I've been doing a little bit of continuing uh, writing. I've got a couple of books that I'm working on right now um, on leadership. One of them is called Alpha American that I'm kind of excited uh, about. Um, let's see here. What else am I working on? I'm still doing some keynote speeches. Uh, I was in the Bahamas a couple of weeks ago and in Buffalo at the same time doing some keynote talks. I'm heading out to do one this afternoon or this evening uh, as well. I'm still growing the hotel company. We've got. Um, a pretty cool fund that we're working on right now we're about to close on. It's about a $340 million fund. And uh, we think we're going to leverage that up to about a billion dollars in assets over the next few years. So that's keeping me fun, keeping me excited and out of trouble a little bit. And, <laughs> um, and I've got awesome kids who are just, you know, keeping me young. Yeah. You wouldn't know it by the gray beard, but yes.
1: <laughs> okay. So tell us more about this, $340 million to billion dollar fund. That's well, not fun. to a billion.
3: That, <laughs>
1: the You'll fund is...
2: Billion. Uh, yeah.
3: yeah, so the idea here is we've been working for a couple of years on... Well, let me back up. Historically, when we've grown our, our organization... By the way, Fred, I'm getting really bad reverb. I don't know if you're getting the same thing, but um, I don't know if there's something you can do on your end, but I'm, I'm getting reverb. Let's... So I hope your listeners aren't. But um, historically, we've grown our organization by doing uh, PPMs or syndicating our deals, where we'll go and put together an investment group of a collection of people, and they'll put in 100000 or $500,000, and we pool the money, and then we go and acquire an asset. That is time-consuming and a pain in the rear, honestly, because sometimes for a $20 million asset, you might have. 40 or 60 different partners Mm. in this thing. And it's just like hurting cats, you know, sometimes. And sadly, oftentimes it's people who have the smallest investment who (laughs) complain the most. And that's a pain in the rear to deal with as well. Mm. So we've been trying to change our strategy over the last few years. And so for a couple of years, we've been trying to put together um, some kind of vehicle where we can fuel growth. Through acquisition, but where we are the we control the asset, we control our destiny, we control the money, uh, the purse strings, all of it. And so, we put together a fund of about, as I'd mentioned, you know, three hundred and some million dollars. And the idea here is through uh, purchases, through financing vehicles, uh, through leases, to acquire about a billion dollars in assets. Um, and so the problem, the, the good side is this. We have one person that's making the decisions on do we do this asset or not. We have one person that we report to, uh, not 60 per, I'm mean, being a little bit dramatic, 60 partners in, in one project. Um, so that makes it a, a lot easier. The problem is this. When you have 300 and some million dollars sitting in a fund, it needs to be earning money. Mm-hmm. You need to be placing it or else the clock is ticking, right. uh, money just sitting in an account someplace, right? So we have to move very quickly. And so that's what we've been doing for the last several months, identifying assets so that when the fund does close in mid-December, um, right after the first of the year, we start acquiring uh, assets. Mm-hmm. And so that, of course, provides all kinds of headaches. We've got infrastructure uh, to operate all of these assets. Because right now we've got about 15 hotels uh, that we currently operate. We've shed... Like divested ourselves from a handful over the last couple of years um, to make sure that we're positioned properly. Because, you know, sometimes in business you might have a, a small asset that requires as much or more management and heavy lifting than a larger asset. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've we've cut those out of the portfolio, or currently cutting those out of the portfolio, so that we're better positioned for the bigger, more It's the whole 80-20 principle, right? mm mm-hmm. um, so we're trying to just leverage our time and resources better, so we're pretty excited about it. It's going to be a fun run here over the next few years. Our life will be different, uh, 18 months from now than it is right now for sure.
1: All right, so we'll bring you back in 18 months because it was close, to, it's been about a year since you've, you've been on. <laughs> that's, um, right.
2: that's
3: right, that's so right.
1: So, Ray, jump in. Sorry, before I that's the next one no 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 uh,
2: you go right ahead but uh one of the things that came to mind is uh, right now you're in hotels mm-hmm. are you looking at any other assets
3: yeah you know it's interesting um they'll all be kind of real estate multifamily kind of thing so we are looking at multifamily housing mm-hmm. one of the things that we're seeing happen in the in that space is think about these high-end or these multi-family apartment buildings i'm not talking about a fourplex I'm talking about like a building that has 100 units or 200 units. Oh. A lot of those places are looking for hotel type of services, concierge services. You know, like I live in an apartment. I'm a young professional, but I want somebody to deal with my dog sitting or my dry cleaning, or I want a space where I can have events for friends who kind of come over. So basically, it's a multifamily uh, building that's operated like a hotel. So we're looking at those assets. Um, we're looking at, um, branded residential units, you know, like you think you can think of the montage mm-hmm. residences, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that, and then maybe, maybe even some, uh, higher end seat assisted living. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of all in the hospitality genre space. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but then there's the food and beverage side as well. We've got a couple of food concepts that we're probably going to be rolling out in the next couple of years as well. Okay. So you well, just brain, you brain dumped a whole lot of
1: stuff there. <laughs>
3: And, yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. For, for your listeners who don't remember, I'm a little bit of an entrepreneurial schizophrenic, okay? <laughs> yeah. Really.
2: And, mean, and, and, and we're really stepping on a lot of things. And <laughs> we're going to get back
1: to the story on how you started on there, because to me that's always compelling. Um, but mm. I want to go back to the, the, the first one you said of uh, multi-dwelling uh, – family dwelling, not in a fourplex, but large, because I started thinking about what I see along the California coast, which tells me that's like really high in money. But then you said um, you backed it downward. It could be, I'm thinking anywhere. And now you're targeting mo- the millennial
3: audience with some that's of the, the it, it young, sounds... young, young professionals. If they've got money, mm-hmm. then they are our target. Yeah. Okay, so I'm thinking like here in Anaheim, for instance. When I got divorced, here, I'm here in my office. This it's called Stadium Tower. Here, I look out the window and I can see Honda Center, and out that window is um, Anaheim Stadium, where the Angels play. There are high-rise condos in this area that have people like me, or had. I don't live here now, but when I did, I was in my what was I in? Late 40s, early 50s. CEO of a business, but living in one of these, and a neighbor might have been a young professional attorney mm-hmm. who was who was living there, right? Um, and I think what you're seeing more and more, Fred, is this urban infill that's happening, now particularly here in California. I mean, you live here. You know what the cost of how, how single-family residents are, mm-hmm. right?
1: Uh-huh. So I, I do think I'm that flashing.
3: there's a What's that?
1: That's why I'm flashing on this because this is brilliant. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. So we think there's a big opportunity here, um, and uh, we can actually add value through these ancillary revenue streams to these assets, because we're not just looking at what's our monthly rent roll. Now we have ancillary revenue streams that come in that increase the value of the asset that bump up the net operating income, and so you can have a higher or a lower cap rate. It
2: sounds a lot like a concierge service in a hotel.
3: Yeah, we're adding that to it. Absolutely. That's Mm -hmm. right. It's a good way to look at it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. No, this is like, this is like far more brilliant than glamping, which. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Yes. So if we can ask, obviously, California's uh, cries out for something like this. Mm-hmm. What other regions have you looked at? Are you potentially p- planning for a first phase
3: assault? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're looking at this for targets of opportunity. Um, and it's easier, as you know, to run a business in multi-states today than it was 20 years ago. I mean, look at this right now. I mean, we're doing video calls, right? 15 minutes before I came on to do this podcast, um, I was on a multi-state video call with our team members, Um, so we can actually get a lot more done, efficiencies, you know, the whole... I think we're going to see more and more of this with AI entering the workforce, you know, like where we can actually... Touch it daily, right? Um, so we're looking at you know most of the great markets. Um, I don't have tons of interest in going to markets like Bakersfield, for instance. Nothing against Bakersfield, but I don't see a lot of upside for the hospitality space that's there. But we're looking in you know the usual suspects: Boston, New York, Atlanta, Austin, Denver, um, you know the Pacific Northwest uh, to, to some degree. Um, yeah. So if, if there is a great opportunity, we'll look at it. The interesting thing that I think a lot of people who get into the franchising or multi unit space is you've got to make sure that you have a really strong hub and spoke system. Mm-hmm. You know, if I've got my primary nexus here in California and I do one deal in pick, pick the city, Ocala, Florida, that's going to be very hard for me to operate that thing unless yeah. I get two or three other assets in that same market. So I've got some economies of scale. Mm-hmm. Right from the HR perspective, uh, from the the marketing and branding perspective, from the leadership perspective. Oh, you're laughing at me, Fred. What are you laughing at, dude? So that's
1: you said the M word, it's my word <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: marketing. I yeah.
1: love talking about marketing, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so that's kind of what. That's that's what we're doing. So you you asked, you know, are we looking to stay regional? Are we looking, you know, to do a front assault? Uh, mm-hmm. assault? It's just targets of opportunity. But once we identify a market, we're going to go into that market big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might as well. Like you say, uh, you, you need to uh,
2: leverage uh, what you have.
3: Well, here's the thing that we learned, you know, we've got four hotels in Chicago right now, and the people that are on the ground, and I think, you know, having worked with multi-unit people, because, you know, I have this coaching and mentoring program as well. I used to work for uh, McDonald's 100 years ago. I understand the franchising model. The problem is when people own multiple units, they, they think, okay, I'm the rock star, and you may be the rock star, but if the people that are running those units don't know how to win the hearts and minds of the locals, it will be an uphill battle. That's right. And so this is what we had to learn with our four hotels in Chicago. Chicago is a unique market. And we wanted all of our managers to know and love the Chicago market and not bring in this Southern California mentality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's a little yeah. bit more, it's more different, it <laughs> not more better more. necessarily. <laughs> yeah,
2: different is a good word.
3: <laughs> but, but it, right. And so we, you need to understand the local nuances mm-hmm. uh, of mm-hmm. the market. Right. Yeah, we have multiple properties to, uh, there. I was just having this conversation with someone, uh, one of our team members earlier, that when – got to remember, we may be franchise owners. We may be multi-unit owners, and that's probably a lot of your, uh, your listeners or multi-unit operators. Um, it's really your team members, what most people call employees, but we call them team members. It's really your team members that are running the show. Yeah. They have to understand the nuances of that local market. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the Achilles heel when, when, you know, because we've got the bank account or we've got the education or we actually hold title, we think we're the smartest ones in the room. And mm-hmm. oftentimes we're not when it comes down to actually providing that customer experience. Um, I We call it a client experience. Not a, I'm a little bit weird, Fred. Fred Ray, you remember this. To, to us, clients are relational. Customers are transactional. So, so
2: yes,
1: yes. You just I, said what Ray always spouts. Yeah, that, that right? I, I've
2: said that many times. It,
3: oh, good, good. I, good. I have
2: clients, and uh, yeah. I, yeah. my employees are my family. Yeah. And I like to think of it that way, because uh, I, I, every time I see one of my employees, I greet them, you know, and, you know, how's it going? You know, how, how's everything in yeah. your family and things like sure. that? You sure, sure. It, it, and it's becoming even more so now. as, uh, as It's becoming harder to find good employees.
3: Well, listen. We I just got through going going over this. We had one of our investor meetings uh, yesterday for an asset that we have up in the Silicon Valley. Uh, it's a great asset, it just opened, a hotel that just opened about a year ago, and it's five minutes from the Facebook campus, five minutes from the Stanford campus. This is a market that has 1.1 percent unemployment. <laughs> All right. It is hard to find what we call team members. You might call them family members. We call them team members. It's hard to find them. It's basically zero, uh, zero employment uh, in this marketplace. Yeah. And so when you're paying dishwashers and room attendants, housekeepers, as some people would call, eighteen to twenty bucks an hour, you can imagine what that does to the rest of the pay scale, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there's almost full employment uh, up there. It's hard to find those those team members. But when we do little things like you do, Ray, you you, you treat them like family members, we treat them like team members and not employees. Our philosophy is this, if we call them employees, they're going to show up like employees.
2: Yeah,
3: that's right. Hey, is it the payday boss? Uh, <laughs> <when's>, <laughs> thank God it's Friday kind, kind, kind of thing. Versus when we treat them like team members, they all show up understanding that we all have impact uh, on the bottom line. We all have impact on the success or failure of, yeah, of, sure. of the business. These are the little subtleties I think separate rock star, the top one percenters versus just the average mediocre operators. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to relate to uh, another business
2: owner, how important that, that that is to have that relationship with your employees that, where you begin to call them, you know, family members and begin to understand what, what their thought processes are. And it actually gives you a, uh, uh, an insight as to what may be coming down the road and uh, that can be very important you know because sometimes right. they misunderstand understand things that uh they hear in the news and they don't really understand you know uh what, what's
3: important what do you mean by that That so they don't understand what they might hear in the news so you're talking well, about the, the well, team members or your family members a couple of years ago there was some information
2: being uh, circulated in the state about health insurance mm. and apparently they thought that you know that uh I should be supplying health insurance to everyone and we we never reached that point uh of uh, having that many employees where that was a necessity oh, but uh, there were uh, there was a point when they were beginning to think that uh I was cheating them out of something, and I, of course I wasn't.
3: yeah, yeah. that's very interesting uh, the way you put this. And this is where you can't over communicate enough mm-hmm. with with those people, whether're their family members, employees, team members, whatever you call them. But sadly, it's one of the classic what I call leadership mistakes. Mm-hmm. It's under communicating. Yeah. and assuming that the team members are as aware, of changing law as you are Mm -hmm. or as we are most of our people who are on our payroll i don't care what you call them Mm -hmm. they're just trying to survive
2: that's
0: right they're
3: just trying to put their kids through school make sure that they have a great relationship with their significant other having a little bit of fun on the weekends they're not keeping up the speed uh, on this kind of stuff and so by us saying hey we're an organization we've got 30 members." And this health insurance law requires that we have to have 50 or more. We're a little bit different than that. The good news is this, because we're small. So you got to kind of put a silver lining on these kind of things, right? The good news is that we're small. We're agile. We can respond to the economies, We have more freedom. We're not shackled like some of the big employers are. Mm -hmm. uh, And we can actually have a great work environment, unlike some of the larger people. I know your name. You're not just a number someplace else. It's more leadership comes in. And um, it's sad, Ray, because I think so many people get into business ownership and business management and leadership. The higher up the ladder they go, the more passive they become in actually touching the team members. And I don't mean physically touching the team members in California. You might want to change that then. But But impacting the team members.
1: And California. But can you can't become a passive participant
3: to in your <laughs> own business. Yeah. I'm sorry. I got to keep putting all these caveats on yeah. this. Um, but you, we have to be actively engaged in operating our businesses mm-hmm. and not just assume that, well, you know, things are going to take care of themselves. They don't. Right. They don't. Right. Right. Yeah.
2: So we, we have a lot of fun. We, we had uh, – um, for Thanksgiving, we have a potluck. Uh-huh. And uh, – it's a lot of fun because I get a chance to enjoy some really good homemade food you know, <laughs> and get a chance to commingle, you know, with everyone. And, and, you know, it's, it's just a great time. Yeah. And, you know, for Christmas, we're all going to go out to a restaurant, every employee, uh, every other year, uh, we, for a while we were doing everybody and meeting, uh, kids and extended family at, at these events. And then they said, no, we want to go out by ourselves once in a while. Yeah. So we're alternating now. It One year, it's everyone, and then the next year, it's
3: just the employees. So and we have a good time, you know, celebrating Christmas. Yeah, I remember even my parents. Now, I'm an older guy, but um, I remember my parents uh, – one of the big events that they went to each year, and they worked for a, a factory back in rural rural New York. My dad was a machine operator. Um, that was his title. Mm-hmm. But it was the, the holiday, or the Christmas party that they went to. They got all dressed up for this, to go yeah. out. And um, for some people, these holiday events, it's, you know, it's the most significant event that they go to during the year, with the exception of family celebrations like weddings, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that we do this stuff for our team members, and it does build a sense of loyalty because, you know, with this low unemployment rate that we're talking about and attracting team members, um, the more we can do to build loyalty, Mm I mean, the the cost per team member to go to a, to hold a Christmas party pales in comparison to the cost, and it really is a cost when one of your team members leaves and you have to replace. these That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, so, anyway, you know, I, I know that there are some people who are scratching their heads like, what? You take people out to dinner? <laughs> you have these parties? It's like, yeah, yeah, because it's an investment in the business. It is. It is. It,
2: well, if you want to, you know, of course, I don't consider it that, but it's it's more fun. Oh, I understand. But, it, but I'm you know,
3: saying that the side, yeah. the, 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 the side benefit is that it's an investment it is. Uh, it, yeah. in the business. Yes, yes. Yeah. Fred okay, so you have
2: something yeah
1: I've had something to say since um, the the comment of uh, thank God it's Friday and I often feel that way because I, I'm happy it's Friday and I've only got two more days in the work week. so but what's wrong with that so on that
2: <laughs>
1: sorry folks on that note we're gonna break for a uh, commercial and commercial. And a commercial, yeah. So I want to thank the Link Local Network. As you can see in the scrolling title most of the time, you can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. Or the folks that are uh, sitting on the website, you can also ask questions there. Or we're monitoring a whole lot of social media platforms. You can talk to us then. And now a word... Ooh, I'm behind. Much, much stuff to do. From a sponsor.
0: Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440, or westvine, with a Y, dot com.
1: And we're back, folks. Uh, Boy, uh, there we are. now. we don't like that one. Ooh, that's bad, so we're going to flip back here. There, much better video. We're back now. We'll have to fix that other screen there. With Larry Broughton, Ray, you want to take us away again? Because I got the last uh, funny comment, so you guys can talk <laughs> some more.
2: Well, we were talking a little bit about having fun and uh, taking our uh, family, or employees, our team members, uh, and having fun with them. But uh, I'm going to kind of uh, go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned something about uh, artificial intelligence earlier on mm. in the show. and uh, One of the reasons I'm in the business I'm in is because I thought I was uh, negatively affected by uh, the increase in technology because I'm a a technical person. And uh, at one point uh, working for Sharp Electronics and working for uh, uh, automotive diagnostics and and the increase in technology uh, put me out so to speak. So that's why I went and I got into business and I thought, wow, I'll I'll get into something that's technology proof and that's house cleaning. (laughs) But (laughs) so my, I guess my question to you is how do you feel technology
3: or artificial intelligence is affecting your business? Yeah. Well, let's see here. I mean, you know, the classic example that people use is that, you know, the automotives put the buggy whip business Mm -hmm. out of, you know, out of business. And, um, you know, this AI thing, I think, goes back to the second industrial revolution, right, where machines actually were meant to augment human productivity, not displace it necessarily. Um, But I'm in the hospitality industry, which includes hotels and all the stuff we listed, restaurants. I mean, we can look around, right, when people started pushing for this uh, increase in minimum wage, what did you start to see at places like McDonald's, Burger King, places grocery stores even, right, automatic checkouts and checkout kiosks. So we're seeing that in the hotel industry. Um, Some people are embracing it, like the typical road warriors, the people who travel several days a week. They don't need to deal with a guest service host or a front desk clerk or agent, as most people call them. They don't mind just showing up, checking in on their phone, getting an electronic key on their phone and walking right up to the door and checking in. They don't need that human interaction. so with the increase of cost in doing business, right? Again, particularly in California, cost of insurance, workers comp rates, payroll, all of those kind of things, business owners need to be more efficient with their time. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a tough trade-off because contrary to what most non-business owners understand, that most business owners aren't making millions of dollars a year. You know the average small business never does a million dollars in revenue a year. It's only a couple percentage points of businesses that ever hit the million dollar mark but if you're a, if you really are an employee who do, who does not understand business you't you just assume, well, Ray, you own this business, you must be doing millions of dollars in revenue <laughs> uh, a a year and you probably are making a million bucks in bottom line that you're putting in your pocket every year. I'm going to guess based on statistics that's probably not the case. Um, And so you need to look for efficiencies, right? Um, So I think that AI is impacting every part of the industry, whether it is operations, whether it's our guest experience, whether it's human resources, whether it's accounting. Um, The more analytics that we can do from the accounting and data capture side, even for marketing um, – sorry, Fred, that's for you. I didn't hear any applause after that yeah. word though. I don't know what happened. No, You're a at- little slow on the uptake there. No, you but, only but, get you know, the
1: one applause. Other ones you oh, lose it. it's a, you know, can't but right?
3: Well but you know this, even on the marketing side, the, the the um the AI that we can look at that captures data helps us launch more effective marketing programs moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right. Um on the AI side for HR, I think that there's ways to um Screen applicants that we couldn't do before that we had to use through human interaction, right? Um, So it's impacting the entire industry top to bottom front to back. It's impacting the industry Um, You know, there are some hotels that are actually had robots that are delivering room service Um, I don't know how I feel about that yet. Mm -hmm. I Still believe that um, there are some areas like I said the road warriors Mm-hmm. We don't need to check in at a front desk. That's absolutely fine. But there's something to me about seeing a robot going up and down the hall delivering room service that creeps me out a little bit. <laughs> Reminds me of – I'm I'm that age where I remember Lost in Space. Remember the robot going around? <laughs> yeah. oh, I got to
1: get that clip, Danger Will Robinson. Exactly. Oh. Yeah.
3: Exactly. That's where I still go a little bit. Um, but I'm trying to embrace AI. AI. Uh, because the truth is, it is not going away. It is no. not going away. No. And so we need to be able to work around it. I think, Ray, you're probably one of the smart ones who said, okay, this, what am I going to do to to move forward? Because AI, I think, studies have shown are going to have truck drivers, number one, first, yes, right, yes. with these driverless trucks.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and um, so that's going to be huge. We're going to have a lot of people that are about our age that have to actually figure out what the heck am I going to do with, with with my life. Um, but we need to be talking about I think more of us need to be talking about it. It's an important element of business ownership for sure. All right. Yeah. So
1: the question I have is, so AI takes over doing everything for everybody, and then <laughs> nobody's got to do anything. And then AI says, we don't need you anymore. So uh-huh. how does anybody make any money? Does AI really <laughs> care about making money? No. Never
3: mind. No, not and if you go to the logical extent that you just went down, there are people like Andrew Yang. I'm not going to get into politics. This is why some people are talking about this basic minimum income, right? Um, and um, we, we do need to be thinking about I like this black hole behind you that we're about to be sucked down. For <laughs> but I do believe that uh, we, we got to have some big thinkers on this. I'm not smart enough to – you, know, you have people like Elon Musk that are smarter than I am who are, who's talking about this all the time. Um, but it's not going to go away, for sure. Um, but there are – listen, we didn't – there are, I think, a couple hundred years ago, what's an automobile mechanic? Nobody knew, right? That's right. Who's going to be building the computers? Well, I don't know. I guess the, the, if you take this thing to the fullest extent, AIs will be building themselves. <laughs>
1: And then we're yeah. in the Matrix. Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: So, so then. So, so then you. Uh, That's you rhetorical. Talk, yeah. We've talked about so this is normally we don't talk about AI um, because it scares the crap out of people, me included. <laughs> but, so with you are ex, uh, special service forces, Green Beret. You've yeah. been on the front lines in places people don't know exist. They never mm-hmm. teach you in geography. Um, and uh, warfare tends to be a very personal thing because somebody's either trying to kill you or you're trying to kill them. Um, how does the AI affect th- that? Does it make war obsolete because yeah. you know, we get too good at killing each
3: other? So we uh, either wipe each other out or um, – and- it's, it's like you guys have been spying on me the last couple of days. I had a conversation with a, a friend of mine the other day uh, about this. I think war is always going to exist as long as there are humans. Yeah. War is going to exist because power is going to exist, right? Um, and we like to think that we can build this utopian society where there's like one government. But the the problem with you know these utopian communistic Types of society that doesn't take into account human con- the human condition. Until we all are be able to embrace the philosophy of sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows every day, <laughs> someone will be oppressing someone.
2: Yeah.
3: And this is why you need, you know, as they say in the special ops community, uh, rough men willing to stand mm-hmm. to fight the bad guys. You know. Um okay. And. Um, the motto of special forces is the oppressor liberate, free the oppressed. Um, there's always going to be evil in the world. So even if AI is out there, there's going to be someone using, this is, a, this is the scary part, right? There's someone going to be taking AI and using it for evil, right? Mm-hmm. Think about China. We know for a fact that China is trying to build these superhuman warriors, right? Where they're actually literally integrating AI with, superhumans we know this uh, to be a fact that's a little bit scary it is but these super soldiers when you consider the billions of people that they could just <laughs> swarms of them coming over the right uh, the horizon right that's that can be a little bit scary mm-hmm. um <laughs> right there's swarms of them um, I'm
1: not sleeping but now.
3: ai is being used now right i mean drones that's right it's part of ai mm-hmm. right um I believe that, used appropriately, though AI can limit the amount of collateral damage that has been done. We don't need to go and do this carpet bombing that we know from most conventional wars. That's right. And in fact, AI was used when um, um, what's his name that was just taken out. Um, just used his name recently. Yeah, we know. Uh, who you Baghdadi. Know. Baghdadi. AI was used during that that mission, and if we hadn't used some kind of, you know, uh, AI-assisted Warfare probably more people would have been killed. Mm-hmm. So again, it could be used for good or go, good or evil. It's a whole yin and yang of life, right?
1: See, yeah. I'm worried about it when the Nigerian princes get it. Uh, yeah. Because how will you know? Um, how will you know if it's really true? And actually, there is a Nigerian prince in a in jail where he made a mil- couple of million bucks running that scam from jail.
3: Oh, I love mm. the news. There's a lot of scams coming out of there. Um, that's another show.
2: <laughs> Ray, your
3: question. Yeah.
2: Speaking of drones, though, you know, uh, one of the, I think uh, my, one of my fears is uh, drones that are small, about the size of that be able to fly into your wherever you're at, into your home, determine yeah. maybe what color your eyes are and what you're thinking, and if you're not thinking the right thing or your eyes are the wrong color, just simply and your brain. Yeah.
1: Man, we've gone way away from the hotel industry. So let's get let's it. Let's back go way topic. back to it. So obviously how we talked about the road warrior and, and because I'm one of those people, usually when I'm on the road, it's like, let me alone. I'll deal with it. I, yeah just let me, I, I would love the, the key fob, like you said, or the on my phone, yeah. that'd be awesome. Um, how do millennials view it differently though? What, what type of um, experience do they look for when they're going on a, I'm assuming either on a road warrior trip um, mm-hmm.
3: or just a vacation? Yeah, I think that the rise of the um, home sharing space, suits them many of them well and i'm talking about airbnb brbo those types of, uh, mm-hmm. of things but many of the studies are showing that what they're looking for is just a unique experience hopefully there can be some sort of social cause um you know like maybe there's a, a hotel that has a give back that part of the rate goes to some charitable nonprofit mm-hmm conscious capitalist program. Um, But I don't know if you've noticed, but hotels, the hotel lobbies are changing again. We're back to the point where smaller rooms, more common area space. Because there's this concept of being together alone. Okay, so I'm by myself traveling, but I wanna be in a public space where there's a lot of activity going on. I mean, think about when you go into a Starbucks or a coffee shop nowadays. Lots of people. Every table is taken. Somebody's there by themselves, and they're sitting there with their headphones on, doing their work on their laptop. Um, I've noticed that there are more people there than actually going to a coffee. When I was younger and dating and all that goes, you'd go to a coffee shop for a community experience where I'd sit across the table and actually talk to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you go into these coffee shops, and many of the tables are taken up by one person by themselves. But they're around a lot lot of other people. So a lot of hotel lobbies are being set up that way as well.
2: Yeah. it sounds lonely, actually.
3: (laughs) I think it is. And one of the conversations I had just last night about this is that with the advent of social media, and we know what's happening there, right? You know, the question is, is it done more globally, good or bad? When you've got all of these uh, studies that are showing that uh, the rise in depression of young people because of the comparing uh, themselves to somebody else, not really having human connection and human interaction um, versus the good uh, that's happened, that's up for debate. I could tell you with a 15-year-old son and an 18-year-old daughter, um, my son, I can hear him in his room when he's online playing these games. He's talking to people all over the world having Conversations and meeting people. Uh, my daughter and uh, has has met people that she knew online before she met them face to face. So there's good and bad with everything, uh, right? Um, but it is kind of I I think it's sad too. I I believe I'm one of these people who like to think that we were built for community, like real real community, really annoying
2: mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and again, not to get too um, California woo woo, but there's something about <laughs> physical physical touch, right? Like literally, <laughs> this is killing. Right here, <laughs> but no. Listen, we know this for a fact that when people have human contact, pressure goes down, heart rate settle. You'd have fewer heart attacks. Spread if you weren't living this isolated life behind a computer screen all day long. <laughs> okay. I
1: watch the whales go past in the ocean.
3: Watching life pass you by—that's a great analogy, right there.
1: <laughs> I'll take watching whales go past any day than people. All right, it's so interesting. Get, no, get
3: stop, right?
1: Shot. Stop, stop, right? <laughs> stop, stop. <okay>. stop. <laughs> We're going to head to commercial and then come back to way, off, way off okay. Pillars of Franchising. want to thank the Link Legal <laughs> Network for uh, broadcasting our show. You can dial in at three two three five eight zero five seven five five with questions. That's three two three five eight zero five seven five five. 580 You can chat at PillarsOfFranchising.com or every place that you're watching the video. Um, also want to announce Link Local Network is going to be launching uh, How to Buy a Business Without Selling Your Soul" show. Um, mm-hmm. It's been fun working on that. And now a word from our sponsor. Ever wonder how successful business people get
2: educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of The Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And
1: we'll be actually having Nick on within the next couple of three, four weeks. Um, and as a reminder, you can go to the PillarsOfFranchising.com website, and we will also uh, you fill out the form, say you want the book, and we'll get the book from Nick for you. you may even get him to autori- autograph it. I just so,
2: want to kind of continue with the conversation we were having a little bit about no, – I asked an employee one time, uh, "What's the best part of your day?" And of course, I'm thinking. Explore explore your options. Meet face to face with dozens of franchise executives representing dozens of quality (laughs) brands. A wide range of price points and ownership models are available. Attend our free seminars on accounting, real estate, and marketing. Franchise law experts will be there to answer your questions, and banks are on hand to discuss loans and financing. The first 100 attendees will receive free VR goggles. For free tickets, visit www.franexpousa.com, the Great American Franchise Expo, coming to a city near you in 2019. Check our website for schedules.
1: And for those who are listening who can't see the video, the actual, uh, we've got the list of all six up. The next one is February 16th and 15th at the Irving convention center in dallas and there's also one in february 22nd and 23rd at the houston stafford center if my eyes aren't going back on batty on me and we're back <laughs> did anybody hear what i said oh i'm quite sure they did my friend but that's okay one way or another either...
2: all right I'll, I'll repeat so we were talking a little bit about community and, and uh how people uh uh get together and one of the questions i asked uh, an employee several years ago was uh, what's the best part of your day and of course i'm thinking when they got home right yeah No, no. when she came into work in the morning because she mm. had the chance to talk with a lot of friends that she has at work and communicate to them you know what's going on in their family and their yeah. family, things like that and she says the hardest part of my day is when i get home Now, I got to fix dinner. I got to make sure everybody's satisfied, that kids have enough clothes and food and everything like that.
3: Her her work day begins when she gets off of work. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's what I was talking about earlier that some people are just trying to get through life, you Mm -hmm. know? And the bonds, some of the most significant bonds that we build are with people that are in the organizations that we've created, right? And there's a moral obligation, I think, that we have as business owners to recognize yes. to recognize that, that many of our team members see more of our coworkers and of us than they do of their significant others, husbands, wives, spouses, children, right? Um, there is a big obligation to that. And when we, uh, if we go through life building businesses where we just beat people up,
2: mm-hmm.
3: is it any wonder that they don't go home miserable and want to kick the dog when they walk in the door. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, I'm glad that you'd mentioned that because again, business ownership, franchise ownership is not the thing of heart. There's a lot of obligation. There's more to life. You just see beyond the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing that. That's good. Right.
1: So, um, eventually I'll ask you what I now call the max questions. It's either the Addison question or the max question, but okay. um, max is my, so, um, but before we get to that, I'll ask you uh, a version of it for you. So uh, the goal of pillars of franchising is to transfer the opportunity to somebody else. And um, as a small business owner, uh, we all think about um, either how we're going to sell or, um, is if it's going down to kids. So is Broughton Hotels going to your kids, or they want to go and do something else?
3: Yeah, that, that is a great question. I don't know. I, I, I wish I know. I wish I really knew. Um, I'm sure my daughter is not going to want to be involved. Um, she's off at her first year of college. What I'm trying to do now is understand that there's got to be um, uh, multiple opportunities to divest myself from the organization. If I just go in with the, this is the one way I can divest myself from this. If that opportunity doesn't come along when the timing is right, then I got a problem, right? And so I've got to look at this from a multi-pronged approach here. My son, who knows? He's 15. You know, thank goodness. He looks up to me, he respects me. He's a smart guy, but that's 15 and I'm 57. I don't want to be doing this, you know, 35 years from now. <laughs> um, and so uh, I have had conversations with our executive team about what does this organization look like five years from now, which it look like 10 years from now. Um, but I'm pretty fit. I'm pretty healthy. I'm pretty vibrant still. And I could see myself actively involved in the organization if things keep going like they are. And I love doing what I'm doing 15 years from now easily. Maybe not the number of hours that I'm working um, now, uh, then, um, but um, but I'm I'm not sure yet. Uh, we think about it all the time, but I I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I think I'll have a better idea a couple of years from now once we see what how we actually deployed uh, these assets or the, this yeah. uh, uh the funds to acquire assets. Yeah. Yeah.
1: See, I I. I... For a while, I didn't care, and then had the grandkid, and, and it's like, okay, 20 years from now, she takes over from
3: grandpa. Is that what you're thinking, really? I mean, are you, are you being serious that that's what Happy? you're setting up for? Oh, that's, yeah, that's, yeah.
1: With the grandson, mm-hmm. now it's, it's, he gets a piece too. Um, sure.
3: Well, this uh, is why some people don't think about like legacy trust, right? You got to start, you do have to start thinking about this stuff. What yeah. happens? And God forbid something happens, like I walk out the door and get hit by a boss.
2: Mm. Uh, Today,
3: right and so I, I do encourage business owners to look at it's called key insurance person insurance um, and if those who don't know what it is it's basically getting a life insurance policy on your business on yourself so that you act so that the business has money to replace you and keep going because again if we look at this like we have a responsibility to the in our case hundreds and hundreds of team members mm-hmm. to keep going that's right. When you start thinking about your sphere of influence, that it's not just my family. Mm-hmm. It's my team members' families, their children, our vendors, right? Yeah. The sphere of influence is pretty big. It is. And do I just want to get hit by a bus and everything is done? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think so. And so we so key, key person insurance is something to, to consider so that you can actually – so that the remaining team members can actually hire a new CEO or chairperson or whatever, however you define your, yourself.
1: That's yeah. awesome advice um, for our listeners. Yes, it is. Yes, and it is. if there's any uh, folks out there that are listening, give us a shout on um, if you've gotten it and where you've gotten it from or post on the website, something like that. Just-
3: <laughs> they have this thing called Google, by the way yeah, I know, but, (laughs) and you know what, that's what I would tell people, but you know what, there's something,
1: the first time somebody called me um, about the show and they, um, they started asking me questions and, and I'm thinking, okay, I've never bought a franchise, but my co-host always says this, 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 this. And I said, do you have a franchise um, coach? And they said, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh man, you need a new one because <laughs> I know the answer to that question. So um but it's all happens because we touch a whole lot of people doing this stuff. We sure do. We sure do. Hey, it,
2: right? it is a it is a fiduciary responsibility we have to everyone we touch. And and you're right, it's it's not just your family, it's not just the employees, it's it's the vendors and every everything that Everyone you do business with is, is yeah. counting on you. And, yeah. you know, I, I never really looked at quite that big a picture, including the vendors. But you're right. You know, yeah. you know
3: there's, there's yeah. a
2: lot of people out there who depend on, on you being there.
3: Yeah. Well, think about this. Let's say that you you own a couple of Subway sandwich shops and you all of a sudden you close down. Mm-hmm. And there are salespeople that are selling you deli meats all the time. And if you go away, all of a sudden that salesperson is not getting the commission that they right. used to get, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's
1: the long tail, as they say, of our, yeah. our impact. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, uh, Ray, I'll go with the Max question, and then you can okay. ask the last question, and we'll mm-hmm. all head toward, uh, thank God it's Friday. So Max <laughs> is, is my uh, now about four-month-old, five-month-old grand grandson, and... and uh-huh. Um so I'm going to ask you as as superhero Larry Broughton um okay what advice would you give to my grandson
3: for success Oh gosh I'm going to share kind of the same thing I shared with a guy named Bedros Kulian who is the um who you should have on your show probably He is the founder of Fit Body Bootcamp Um he's got about I'm going to guess 900 franchises now around the world
1: oh we'd like to have he him on I... the
3: show what's that
1: we'd like to have him on the show
3: yeah he's a he's a smart guy he and I met at what's called the kill house <laughs> uh in Boise <laughs> Idaho several so we like, years ago one of those like um facilities that looks like you go through with handguns and you know um that's that set up like banks and automobiles and uh, houses and those kind of like things Sh- is yeah, exactly. So he was there with his son, who had turned 13. And uh, there were about a dozen of us men who were there. Um, it was his son's birthday, and this is kind of – he was using this as kind of a transition, almost like a, a vision quest, you know. There's aren't – in the American society, there aren't a lot of um, ways that transition our young men I mean, our boys into young men like a lot of cultures, right? And so he was using this. And so he put his son in the middle and about a dozen of us got around um, him and shared a piece of advice. So I probably share the same thing. And that is about success, Um, a couple of them. Be willing to work hard, not just smart, but to work hard because tenacity eats talent for lunch. There are a lot of really talented people out there who don't have the grit in them. They don't have the fight in them. And so they live these gray lives of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. When if they had the grit and the tenacity and the strength to just persevere against all odds, a lot of the people who have are highly talented just quit. And you can, you know, showing up like it matters means something, right? And so being really tenacious. I think we need to surround ourselves with people who are bolder and brighter than we are. Um, Jim Rohn has a, has a famous, famous quote that says, "You become the average of the five people you hang out with the most." <laughs> and so I think that's really important, particularly for young men, um, because having a 15-year-old right now, I see this. You know, it, it's only one, you're one. You guys, Ray, Fred, you were young men at once. I don't know I your think. background, but we were all one decision away from being in jail or being dead, mm-hmm. right? We probably haven't lived if we weren't that close to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you surround yourself, you can surround yourself with people who that one decision can take you down the wrong path, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so be selective about who you have in, in, in your life. So I think those two things, Fred, I, I, I would say is that tenacity eats talent for lunch and surround yourself with people who are bolder and brighter than you, than, than you are. How's that? Excellent. That works for me. Excellent advice. Oh, great. What a great picture. Wow. (laughs) awesome.
1: (laughs) Go ahead, Ray. You got the last
2: question, my friend. Well, first of all, um,
3: from one veteran to another,
2: I want to thank you for your service. Thanks, brother. You too. Greatly appreciated. Yeah. And the next question is, if uh, someone's interested in in what you're doing, or your books,
3: Mm -hmm. how is is the best way for them to get a hold of you? Well, I'm on... I hate to say this because I'm trying to take a social media break right now. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah, being on the show, not helping.
3: To- <laughs> I'm on all the social media platforms. It's at Larry Broughton. Um, I've got uh, my personal website is either thelarrybroughton.com or larrybroughton.me. Um, that's just my first and last name, and, and you'll find me out there. Or just Google my name. You'll, you'll find me. If you go to that website, then it's got my hotel company. It's got my coaching and mentoring program. It's got links to all the books uh, that, that are out there. But me is probably the easiest way because it's got the social media links uh, mm-hmm. as well. Excellent. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. Always nice yeah. to have you. Listen, uh, you guys are a lot of fun. So I love the banter. It yes. makes, me, makes me smile. <laughs> it cracks me
1: up and... Man, I'm going to have to rename the episode to AI Discussions with Larry. Oh,
3: gosh. Maybe. (laughs) I
1: love it. We'll be back next week with a new interview. Um, Happy Thanksgiving, folks. And this is... is...